everyone and welcome to the year was the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party causing all your friends to question hey who invited you like seriously why are you here i'm your host michael montalbo and for the next few minutes we will swim through the river of time to try and find out what makes today truly unique in this episode we examine the events that occurred november 10th there are many legends in this whole wide world of ours and none have been so prominent as the legend of the edmund fitzgerald it is a tale that has been immortalized by gordon lightfoot in his 1976 song the wreck of the edmund fitzgerald and while the song does a good job of telling exactly what happened As many times as I have listened to it, the melodic, soothing sounds of the music and its singer often cause my mind to drift away into the nothingness that only music will allow you to do. And so when I saw that the Edmund Fitzgerald fell onto my release schedule, I decided that it was as good a time as any for me to learn about the ship that inspired the song. So let's do that. The tale of the Edmund Fitzgerald begins, like any other legend, with an idea. In the Great Lake regions of the United States, many companies relied on the iron and minerals located throughout the area, and as such, they needed a way to transport them. That's when the Northwest Mutual Life Company of Milwaukee, which also invested in iron and minerals, invested in the construction of the ship, the Edmund Fitzgerald. Great Lakes Engineering Works was then commissioned to design and construct the vessel. Construction began August 7, 1957 and was designed to be 729 feet long by 75 feet wide and capable of carrying 27,500 tons. It had a horsepower of 7,500 and weighed an impressive 13,632 tons. This all made it, for the time, the largest carrier on the Great Lakes upon its launch. And its dinner too, I suppose. The ship was completed the following year in June of 1958, and it had its maiden voyage September that same year. The investment made by Northwestern Mutual really paid off as the Edmund Fitzgerald was a workhorse of a ship, often setting and then breaking its own records for 17 years. In 1964, the Edmund Fitzgerald became the first carrier to haul more than 1 million tons of iron ore pellets through Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan earning it the nickname, the pride of the American flag, and the pride of everyone who sailed on board the carrier. It was such a major ship to the area that by November 1975, it had traveled more than 1 million miles, which is roughly the equivalent of 44 trips around the world. And while all of this was going on, the Edmund Fitzgerald was also reportedly a very safe ship, at least at first. In 1969, it was awarded a safety award for its first eight years and then began a string of minor accidents not uncommon for ships in the area, running aground and slight collisions by most accounts, again, honestly, normal stuff. This brings us all the way to November of 1975. On November 9th, the Edmund Fitzgerald set out with 29 crew members carrying a cargo of 26,116 tons of iron ore pellets that are also known as talconite. Talconite iron ore pellets, for those of you who don't know, are generally marble-sized and shaped and are melted down into steel in order to be used for things that steel is 
needed for. Loaded with this cargo, the Edmund Fitzgerald left from Superior, Wisconsin, and made its way to Detroit. This same day, an area of low pressure began to develop over the southern plains and began its trek northeast. It quickly gained strength and generated gale force winds, and at approximately 7.39 p.m., 34 minutes after the Fitzgerald had departed, the National Weather Service issued a gale warning for Lake Superior. The year was 1975, and on this day, November 10th, the Edmund Fitzgerald sank during a storm in Lake Superior. Because of the storm, the Edmund Fitzgerald's captain, Ernest M. McSorley, along with Captain Cooper of the Arthur M. Anderson, another ship that launched around the same time, decided to take the northern route across Lake Superior in an attempt to avoid the storm before turning southeast to reach the shelter of Whitefish Point. By the morning of the 10th, the Edmund Fitzgerald was experiencing winds up to 50 knots and waves 16 feet high. Captains McSorley and Cooper both had experience in these conditions, but soon the ships began to drift further and further apart until eventually Cooper on the Anderson could not see the Fitzgerald any longer. The good news was that Cooper still had radar, and on radar, he could see the ship, but that was the only way. According to the Shipwreck Museum, at 3.30 p.m., McSorley radioed Cooper, Anderson, this is the Fitzgerald. I have a fence rail down, two vents lost or damaged, and a list. I'm checking down. Will you stay by me till I get to Whitefish? McSorley then slowed his speed in order to let Cooper on the Anderson catch up to him. When asked if his pumps were still working, McSorley responded, yes. Radio communication continued on and off for the afternoon until 7.22 p.m. when the Anderson's first mate, Morgan Clark, radioed the Fitzgerald and received no response. Captain Cooper later wrote, At this time, I became very concerned about the Fitzgerald. Couldn't see his lights when we should have. I then called the William Clay Ford to ask him if my phone was putting out a good signal and also if perhaps the Fitzgerald had rounded the point and was in the shelter. After a negative report, I called the Sioux Coast Guard because I was sure something had happened to the Fitzgerald. The Coast Guard were, at this time, trying to locate a 16-foot boat that was overdue. As we know, the Edmund Fitzgerald sank, and the wreck of the ship now lays at the bottom of Lake Superior, 530 feet deep, 17 miles from Whitefish Bay. Of the 29 crew members on board, none of them were recovered. It is widely believed that the ship sank suddenly and without any distress signal. After the wreck, sonar searches were conducted by the Navy and Coast Guard in November of 1975, where two large pieces of wreckage were eventually located. In April 1977, the official report was released by the Navy, with the official cause of the sinking listed as could not be conclusively determined, and that the most probable cause was the loss of buoyancy and stability resulting from massive flooding of the cargo hold. In 1980, Jean-Michel Clouseau sent divers down to locate the wreck. In 1989, the Michigan Sea Grant Program organized a three-day survey to survey the wreck. On this trip, they recorded a 3D video to be used in museums and for educational programs. In 1994, diver Fred Shannon organized a dive. 
and discovered the remains of a crew member still in a life jacket. Actually, while on the subject of finding a crew member, here's a bit of morbid trivia for you. There's an old piece of folklore that states that Lake Superior never gives up her dead. But why is this? Supposedly, it is due to the fact that the waters are so cold in the lake that the growth of bacteria is inhibited and the bodies don't make the gases needed for them to float. The example above of the crewman Shannon found is not isolated to the Edmund Fitzgerald. The SS Kamloops sank in Lake Superior December 7, 1927. They also had a preserved crew member who was found about 50 years after the sinking. The figure, known only as Grandpa, or Old Whitey, was well-preserved and has been left in the wreckage, although some divers claim that he will follow you if you are exploring the ship. Okay, back to the Fitzgerald. In 1995, on July 4th, at the request of the surviving family members, an expedition conducted by the National Geographic Historical Society, the Canadian Navy, the Sony Corporation, and the Sault Ste. Marie tribe of Chippewa Indians had the Fitzgerald Bronze Bell recovered with the help of the Great Lakes Shipwrecks Historical Society. The 200-pound bell is now on display in the Great Shipwreck Museum as a memorial to those who were lost. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the Year Was audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.